0: Don't mind turning in your Bibles to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we have one verse we're going to look at today and we're going to share some different things, look at some different things from the Word of God that I think will be beneficial 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Verse 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. I want y'all to think about that, what we're reading here. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We are not ignorant of his devices. So what I'd like to do today and I realize I understand I mean I I've I've got another sermon on mercy that I've been working on for quite some time and in the introduction I say something like <clears throat> I've had the privilege of being out here listening to different preachers and and I I'm all of a sudden I'm thinking a lot about your I mean what you're hearing coming from this pulpit and how difficult it is to communicate what we're trying to communicate but receiving it out there in the congregation. It's it's a, you know, if I'm out here listening, then I'm listening as a member listening to the preaching and it just, it's different. So I don't know that y'all can really understand and appreciate how difficult it is to communicate because honestly, I think just about anything you could say could be misunderstood or taken the wrong way. I mean, I think even in making announcements, Dan does a great job, but he's often commented, you know, I should have said it this way or I shouldn't have said it that way. And it just, it's very when you have, you're a public speaker, I'm telling you, it's very challenging. So I'm becoming more and more aware of that. And I'd like so I understand that what I'm going to do today <clears throat> is going to be some of you are going to say, well, I've heard these stories. But you have to think that there are people and I know there are people in this room today that have not heard some of these stories. So it's going to get everybody on the same page and we're going to look at some very practical things from God's word that I think should help us as we deal with the devil and and his tactics, his strategies against the church and against us as believers. So most of you remember me telling you this, but we came to North Belt in 1986. There was the parsonage was over here, the fifth house down. And we moved in in May of 1986. Now, uh, before we moved in, we actually as a family went in and painted. The church paid for the paint, but we painted the whole inside of the house. Because it just needed done and it hadn't been done. So we moved in in May, but because of my wife having a family um, uh, get together for the family reunion, the first Sunday of every June. So instead of June 1st, the first Sunday being our first Sunday, it was the second Sunday. And that's why we celebrate the anniversary on the second Sunday. Because we were here, but we weren't actually, we were up in East Texas, on the first sunday but the next sunday we were here officially and so the church north belt baptist church this building was not here you've got to understand this building was not here we had the other building and the church was in terrible shape when we came now I was coming from a church that we'd started in baytown and we were meeting we had met for over two years in a daycare. And a lot of those folks that had joined that church got job transfers and moved out. So that church started drying up and I was thinking, what do I do? And I'd never sent out a resume ever. I just felt like that was kind of not the right thing to do. But I saw that North Belt needed a pastor, their pastor left. So I put together a resume, I sent it to them. And in the resume, in red, I highlighted that I was the chairman of the uh, information chairman the Basic Life Seminar in downtown Houston. Two women on the committee, um, on the public committee, had attended the Basic Seminar and they were all supportive of the Basic Seminar. They saw that red letter, red highlighted, and they said, we got to check this guy out. Now they said, they told me, it was Norma Wells and another lady, so it was Leo Wells' wife was on there. They said they had a stack of resumes. They had a stack of resumes, preachers wanting this position. But when they were thumbing through, reading them all and they came across mine highlighted in red there at the base seminar they said, oh we want to check that guy out. So they did. Now the former pastor from this church went, uh, he was a great uh, pulpiteer. He had a gift. He could communicate. He had a vocabulary. He was ge- very gifted in the pulpit. And uh, <clears throat> but, you know, you can be gifted in the pulpit and not have wisdom that you need to be a pastor. And so he wanted to start a new church. So he took, if you can imagine, he took the majority of, of the new. I mean, the young couples with him and they started a new work that left for North Belt, all the old people. I mean, there were, there were no young people, no young couples, no young, no little babies. It was just all the grandparents kind of people. That's who, when we came. And so on a good day, we had 35 and we were five. On a good day, we had 35 and we were five. First right out of the box, we hadn't been there six weeks and we had, you know, people got up to sing and it always makes me a little bit nervous when people start getting up. Well this lady got up to sing but she didn't bring her hymn book, she brought her big thick Bible. And she got in the pulpit with this big thick Bible and I'm, I'm, you know, we had the chairs up here so it was customary for me to set up here. I'm sitting sitting there listening to this. She's got this big, thick Bible, and she started waving her arms and saying something like this. I apologize to the church because I have gone to a healing service and I have been healed. And she had her Bible open. She was reading scripture. Then she was waving her arms and she's saying, if you just have enough faith you can be healed too. And there was a little boy, his parents brought him, and he was in a wheelchair and he wore a, a football helmet and he could not walk. If he got up and fell, then that football helmet was to protect his head. And she's up there saying, If you have enough faith, you can get healed. And she got really, really worked up. And then finally she sang her song. Well, I'm sitting over here and Linda was down kind of there and she's looking at me. She says, oh, no. She said, we have barely gotten unpacked. And looky here, we're fixing to have to start packing again. Because she knew me. I mean, she knew that was not going to fly. So I'm over here, so I, I just sent up a flare of prayer. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, go ahead and preach your message. And he said this very clearly. It wasn't audible. He said this very clearly. Go ahead and preach your message, then correct it. I said, okay. So I just let everything go. I, I got up, preached my message, and I was holding the invitation, and I was down front in that building over there, down front, had a decent crowd today, maybe 45 or so. And there was a man sitting about four or five rows back, a man that was a visitor, had been faithfully coming, and, <clears throat> and I remembered that I had told him the Sunday before that I would meet with him and we'd go out to lunch together. Because we lived right here, so we were close. So during the invitation, I went to him and I asked him for forgiveness. Because I'd broken my word. I said, I told you I would call you, but I didn't call you. I'm sorry. I forgot. And would you forgive me? And he said, sure, let's just, you know, we'll set another date. We'll try to do it. I said, great. So I did that in front of everybody, but just between him and me. OK, so then I come back and then I say, we have had two mistakes happened here at our church today. One, we've had a woman preach. And secondly, we've had a woman preach the wrong thing. And you could have heard a pin drop. I mean, there was a gasp. And, you know, the. so here we go. So I did that. And immediately after I corrected it, immediately after we had the final amen, I went to her and I said, I hope you understand. This was unscriptural what you did. But in spite of all of it, I, I want you to know we love you. And she accepted it. But others didn't. Others took up offense. So they called an immediate deacons meeting. They called a meeting in the middle office back here in the offices. And they had the deacons. They had a, woman, a couple of women that had been to James Robinson's stuff. And so they all are in there. And they started railing on me. I mean, it was really bad. And they they wanted I mean they wanted me gone, and so the lady that was so upset it wasn't the lady that did the singing it was somebody else, and what they this is the, this is about the devil now we're learning don't be ignorant don't be ignorant of his devices. So what when I went to that man and ask him for forgiveness. You know what went in their minds, some of their minds? They started putting it all together because I got up and corrected it after I went to him. They thought I went to a non-member, a visitor, and asked him what do I do? (laughs) That's what they thought. They said well you went to so and so. And had to get advice from him on how to handle this. I said, where in the world did you come up with that? I I went to him. It has nothing to do with all of this. So, folks, I want you to be aware. This is one of the things Satan does. He puts thoughts in our minds that are not validated and they're not truthful. And I can promise you along the journey, this has happened more than once. I just had a a person, this was probably six weeks ago, a person sent me a text say, I just hadn't heard from you in a while. They're not a member. Hadn't heard from you in a while. I'm just curious. Have I said something to offend you? I'm thinking I've offended you in some way. I said, absolutely not. You've not offended me. I've just been busy. I've been tied up. I'm sorry. I just, uh, you know, no. But in his mind, He thought because of the lack of contact that I was offended at him. Folks, we've got to be aware of what Satan does and how he puts these ideas and thoughts that are not true. Then it even makes it worse when you have a sower of discord going around saying things that are not true, that are inaccurate. That even compounds the problem. So let's be aware, let's don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. So the church, basically when we came, was a church split. And you know, we're going to talk about that, but you know God is not, He is all about unity and not about church splits and division, fuss, and fighting. So as I met with the public committee and they were very close to calling me, I said, y'all need to know one thing. When I come, I'm going to teach something different about church government than what you have going on here. They said, what, what? And I said, well, you're a majority rule church and I'm going to teach on elder rule. And they said, you know, of course, me, well, isn't that Presbyterian or what is that? They hadn't even, some of them hadn't even heard of elder rule. So I said, no, it's just a different way of government, but I think it's the most scriptural way, not a perfect way, but the most scriptural way to handle church government. They said, well, if it's in the Bible, teach it. It's okay with us. I said, well, that's a good thing. So I started. They called me. We moved in, started, and I just, every chance I got, I was preaching about, I'd bring up elders and I would use the 10 spies a lot. You know, majority rule there, they didn't turn out so well. You know, that wasn't the greatest decisions that ever been made by a majority. And so, you know, just keep hammering that, hammering that. And after about a year, we had a business meeting on Wednesday night, typical, you know, church business meeting. Oh, my goodness. And can you all imagine? I was the pastor and I was the moderator of the business meeting. I couldn't even vote. I didn't have, I had, to, if you want to follow the Robert Rules order, I had to get someone, take my spot, I had to step down, and then I had to be recognized to be able to make a, a, a comment or anything about the decision that was being made uh, in the church. So they, they voted on a business meeting night, they voted to go to majority, I mean to uh, elder rule. So, technically, they gave up their right to vote. They voted from this night forward, we're not going to vote any longer. But here's the catch, people, and y'all need to understand this. You've heard this before, but you've got to understand this. They voted to go to Elder Rule, but we didn't have but one elder, and that was me. We, their, Harris County posses couldn't go find an elder around here. There was nobody qualified. Steve Sackett was saying, right, I'm hearing about the church. I want to come. I said, Steve, don't come yet. It's not ready for you. And I literally, I mean, I literally, you can ask him. I asked him to not come for quite, I mean, several weeks because he he was anxious to come. I said, "We're, we're not there yet, Steve. Just hang. So then Steve came and then he started telling Doug Meyer and then Doug Meyer came and that's how Doug Meyer came to the church and Doug Meyer was the first other than me, but he was the first uh, elder we ordained. And then it started growing. And we went from 35 to, I don't know the sequence, but you can get the picture, over 100, over 200, over 300. We had to set up an overflow room, big, big screen TV, people sat in there. But the big attraction was ATI and homeschooling. That was the big attraction. And um, one Sunday, 22 people all at the same time joined the church. 22 people. So it got up close to 400 at times. We were able to save the money for this building, and we saved saved for 12 years. We were determined to pay cash. We were not going to go into debt. And we saved for 12 long years years waiting for God to provide the money. And you can imagine, costs kept going up, expenses kept going up, everything kept going up, but we just kept faithfully waiting and God provided the money and then we pulled the trigger and we built the building. So we did pretty well for a while. And then people started getting restless. And in every church, I've pastored five churches in just about every church except the one we started in Baytown. Just about every church there's a power struggle. There's a power struggle and people rise up and they want to take over control of the church. And that happened but the problem was with the elder rule they couldn't do like they had done in the past. They couldn't all of a sudden get enough people together to vote the preacher out. But they were putting a lot of pressure on us. They were putting a lot of pressure, and there were a lot of, you know, unspoken threats, kind of. And uh, so we, I never will forget, over there in that house on Plum Text, we had a family meeting, and I got my little family together, all five of us, and said, okay, what do y'all think? They're really putting our uh, pressure on us to leave the church. What do y'all think? And. Each one said, let's go. It's time to go. And I said, well, I've left the last church. They're going to have to put me out in the street on this one. They're going to have to take our furniture and put it out on Plumtex. I've decided we, are, there's, we haven't done it. We've not sinned. We're just preaching truth. They don't want to hear truth. And they're going to have to put us out in the street. So we're staying And we have stayed 36 years. Only God. Only, there you go. (laughs) Thank you. Now that's worth something right there. Boy, I may get so fired up we may go past 12 o'clock today. But I'm just telling you, y'all, God had to do something. He had to break that control of power that was embedded. This church had women Teaching Sunday school with mixed groups when I came, women and they were excellent teachers. They were te- the men, and the men were, you know, they just sit there and let them do it. And so we had the little prayer chapel over here, and y'all have heard the story. Women would meet at five thirty in the morning, and I even would go in there time to time. My wife was there. They'd go in there and they pray. You know, the number one prayer they prayed. They prayed at North Belt. the men would begin take over leadership. They prayed for the men, for their husbands to stop letting the women be in control of the church. And they prayed and prayed and then Krenwilgies started coming and others started coming and it was just incredible folks to see. It was incredible to see. So here's where we are today. Here's where we are. And I'm not, I'm not saying, but I, this is, I almost feel kind of like we're just a little bit starting over. We're, just, we're almost like we're starting over. But here we are. This is the difference between now and then. This is a wonderful facility and it's paid for. It's a wonderful facility and it's paid for. And we have a wonderful congregation of believers and the maturity level, and I I don't want to brag on y'all too much because you'll get the big head, but the maturity level of this group versus that group, you just can't imagine. So here we are, yes, we're kind of like, but that's why I felt led today to start off less be reminded of the devil's tactics and what he's about. And I'm going to show you. And I'm just, I'm just being honest. I, I don't know how else to be. And somebody said, well, that's kind of good for a preacher, to be honest, isn't it? You know, I'll just but I'm going to use my Thompson chain reference. And I'm I've got a section here and we're just going to kind of go down. But I want to start off that. Let me read that again, because it's so important. lest Satan should get an advantage of us. And I, I, I know you feel the same way. I, do. I don't want Satan to have an advantage. And I don't want him to have an advantage because we don't have enough spiritual maturity to recognize what he's up to. Let me, let me share something with you real quickly. I don't often use sports like football and baseball and stuff. I don't use illustrations like that. So I'm going to be I'm going to use a limited... But y'all understand, and I don't really know this much about it, but you understand that sports teams study, like if they're going to play somebody, they study the the videos, the tapes from other games, that the, the opposition they're about to play. Do y'all understand that? They study the tapes. Okay, now I do. I am a real fan of the PBR. Does anybody know what the PBR is? Professional bull riding. I, I mean... At my house, I know, I mean, you know, say what you want, but I enjoy watching those bucking bulls. And I'm pulling for the bull as much as I'm pulling for the rider. (laughs) Did you all know that the bull gets a score? Did you all know that? They have a national, they have a champion at the end of the year, at the end of the season, and they have a bull that's the number one. He got high scores each time he bucked, came out. You know what these riders, they don't only work on their physical, like their arm strength, their upper body strength. They don't work. That, they study the video of these bucking bulls. And these bucking bulls, a lot of the time, will like they ha- call it a right hand delivery, left hand delivery. So when they come out of the chute, the, the owners, the people that set it up, they know which is better for the bull, right hand or left hand delivery and they oftentimes not every time because they are an animal but oftentimes they repeat the same pattern over and over when they come out they'll turn to the left and then they'll do a bunch of things they'll jump high they call a lot of air and so but these riders study the videos of these bulls they watch them over and over and over and over So they can learn their tactics. Now, folks, as Christians, as believers, we I don't want to, I mean, you know, people say, well, we don't need to spend a lot of time looking into the devil. No, we need to know enough about the devil to recognize, oh, that's of the devil. That's not of God. That's of the devil. So, let's not be ignorant. That's why I threw out that one title, don't be so ignorant. You know, but maybe dealing with the devil 101, I don't know, whatever you like. So, we need to examine some things and learn of his devices. So, this is what I've seen as a pattern. Satan is very 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 good at um creating division in the church. Now, I'll just be totally honest, I never anticipated division among our staff over the last four or five years. I didn't, I didn't anticipate it. I, just, I didn't think it was coming. But it's obviously now more and more there was some division going on. And I just talked to a preacher this week, another state, not here, he told me that in a church that it's just been discovered that the associate pastor uh, there's this tendency to sometimes try to get their own little following. And so he added, and now it's surfaced, this is another state totally. Now it surfaced and the a preacher's comment was I was called to preach not to be a firefighter he's having to put out so many brush fires because this has created such an issue in this church in another state because this assistant was doing some things to draw a, get a following for him and so it's it's we need to understand we need to understand satan is out to divide and conquer he is out. He will, use, he will use anything. That's why you've heard me say that it really bothers me, all the denominational issues and all the denominational stuff. It bothers me because those who are genuine believers are so divided, the body is not unified. We are all split up and we could say, well I can only worship with these that believe these doctrines. And so it's, it's imperative that we, that we understand this idea. So go to 1 Corinthians 1, let me read it real quickly because we're running out of time already. <coughs> Look at verse 10, beginning of verse 10, we'll read it down. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that ye all speak the same thing and that there be no... and I have that underlined in my Bible... No divisions among you, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. There are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you saith I am of Paul and I am of Apollos and I am of Cephas and I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And then this this is this great statement here. I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius lest any of you should say that I was baptized in mine own name. So And then verse 17, this is kind of amazing. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach. Now if I be- believed in baptismal re- regeneration, that would cause me some concern. If I, if I believe that baptismal regeneration, and the Apostle Paul said, I'm glad that God didn't send me to baptize, but to preach. It's a pretty good little point right there. You can use that. Now, we need to understand, so Satan you have ones for Paul, some for apollos, some for cephas the division, and he's saying there should be no division among you, and listen, I cannot tell you over and over again, but you know in the in the issues of marriage, I wish I could say that in marriage, you just always should be just so perfectly united on every single thought and issue and I'm going to tell you that's just not reality. It's just not reality. You're just not going to agree on everything. So we need to be aware when we see and when we hear of jealousy and we hear of division and we hear people taking sides I'm for this one and I'm for that one I don't like him at all I mean we need to be very careful that we don't look up and say you know what the the devil is out to divide and conquer and I'm involved in that because I've lined up with this one or that one and it's just it's just totally unscriptural it's totally unwise And it actually shows a very pitiful level of immaturity. And this is what just kind of shocks me from time to time. I anticipate and I look out in this congregation and I'm thinking of a real spiritual group. And then when I hear people believing uh, all this stuff, it's it's just crazy. So number one, Satan's tactics, don't be ignorant of his tactics. Number one, right off the top, we need to be careful that we don't participate in this issue that Satan continues to bring up, divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. He does it in the church, he uh, does it in families, their children growing up, they get at odds with their parents. Parents get at odds. It, you know, it shouldn't be that when your children leave the nest that you're over there saying, high-fiving with your wife. I mean, praise God, they're finally gone. That troublemaker in the nest is gone. You know, it shouldn't be that way. We ought to be excited that we've got one and unity and the tears are tears because you love each other. Because you hate to see, you want the best, you hate to see them leave, but you, you, don't, you don't, don't allow Satan to do that. Now then, I'm going to look now at the Thompson, and I'm going to kind of quickly go over some of these. <clears throat> Number one is tempting, Satan tempts us in the area of disobedience. And this is found in Genesis 3, 4, and 5. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. What did God, what did God say? What had God said about the garden and participating in eating in the fruit? What did he say? In the day that you eat of the forbidden fruit, what? Ye shall surely die. What did Satan say? You'll not die. You're not going to die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. See how he takes the, that? This was what God had already spoken, God had already said and he's trying to get them to be disobedient to God. You're not going to die but your eyes are going to be opened and you're going to be able to see good and evil, No good and evil. So that's, that's another area, divide and conquer, and then the idea of tempting us to sin and go against the will of God. Another one, third one here, is uh, Job 1-9. This is slandering of the saints. This is slandering the saints. <clears throat> then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. That's Satan. That's Satan slandering. Here's a a godly man and he's slandering the saints. Be careful that when you hear slander about other believers that you don't jump on board and participate. Be careful. Slandering a brother or sister in Christ. Well, if he just had this happen, he would never be worth his salt. Another one is inflicting disease, John or Job two seven. And this is, this is something that you have to think about and understand. But so Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. You have to understand that Satan does bring physical attack that can bring physical harm. God, God permits, God in this instance, gave him permission. You can do all these different things. You just can't take his life. So does that make sense? So there are times that God says, go ahead. Give Satan permission to bring even physical attacks. And then, of course, Satan tempted Christ in Matthew 4.1. Then was Jesus led up in the spirit in, into the wilderness to be tempted. So we have the example of Christ being tempted by Satan and, uh, and all of these different things. Now, <clears throat> Matthew 13, 19. I've already referred to this today, but it's very real. I've seen it. The seed is sown and then the devil comes along and snatches away. Matthew 13, 19. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one. Then cometh the wicked one, and that's like the birds are coming. The birds are coming and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. That he is he which receiveth seed by the wayside. So you have to be aware that Satan is very capable. The seed is sown, he comes along and he snatches it before it takes root. So that's why the soil's got to be in good, good preparation. You've got to receive the good word. You've got you to have good soil. But you have to be alert. We have to be aware. You say, you know, I don't even know what was preached two weeks ago. I don't remember one point about it. And that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty common. But we need to make sure that when we hear something, that it, because it lands on good soil, it needs to take root. We don't need to, we need to be aware that Satan even now is wanting to snatch away the seed before it takes root. All kind of things are rushing through our minds. Things are going through our minds and we're trying, you know, we're, it's just, and then that's where you get in the battle of the mind. And then Satan also sows the tares among the wheat. Matthew 13, 38, the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. So remember in the account about the uh, wheat and the tares, someone has sown tares among the wheat. Should we pull up They said, no, you'll disturb the wheat. Well, who has done this? An enemy has done this. The enemy has done this. So that's indicative of the idea that in the body there is a strong possibility that there could be some tares planted, tares planted, and we really, tares and wheat look so much alike to us, and God knows the difference. But we have to be aware that even in a good church there can be tares, But the enemy sowed them and then ruining the soul and the body and Luke 9:42 and he was yet a coming the devil I, I, this is an account of you know the uh, demons the devil the devil threw him down and tear him and Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father so this can happen. And a lot of, I'm going to tell you, in today's world with a lot of the different drugs that are out there, there are people that their bodies are being torn to shreds because of the the, all the, I don't know all the labels for for the different drugs and, and illegal things that are out there. But you can talk to people that know that are involved and they'll say, yes, we, they try to, the devil, the demonic forces attack the body. And just think about it. If you think about it, Satan hates our bodies. Satan hates our bodies. Because Christ is in us. He hates we can't imagine how great the hatred is that Satan hates our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He hates, And if you name his name if you stand up for Jesus Christ, you need to be prepared and expect an assault, an attack from the devil. And if you give in, if you fall for some of his tactics, it can even turn into worse if you give in to some of these things. It can actually end up in some of the violence that you see. Now, what about the devil's character? He's a liar. You know, I'm just going to be I'm just going to tell you. And this is why I don't I don't make apologies for certain things. But when you have a platform, a government platform for supporting candidates that is anti-bible, they are pro all these things that we know the bible stands against. So people say well, why are you so against these, these, uh, this particular party? Look at the platform. The platform is anti-God. The platform is anti-God. And so we need to be very, very, very careful that we recognize. So in the same way that if someone says, you know, I'm of this platform and they say, I support the platform. I believe in the platform, then they're not ever going to get my vote. They're never going to get my vote. And it really, I, it's not so much for me, it's not so much the individual as much as it is what, what is supporting them and what they believe. Their belief system. They're, they're, they're thinking about gender and they're thinking about marriage and they're thinking about uh, parenting. All these different things. And it's just, uh, you know, I mean, we could go there. I'm not going to chase that rabbit, but I'm going to tell you. So it just so when Satan, he's out and about and he's a liar. He's the father. He's the father of lies. Listen to this in John eight forty four And ye are, are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father, ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he, speaketh, he, uh, when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. Now folks, when we are out here in the everyday world and we're dealing with church issues and family issues, we need to recognize who is behind, just like the party that I mentioned, who is behind this activity. This activity that is unscriptural, this activity that is violating what God has already declared, and it's not truthful, then we need to recognize it for what it is. And if it's coming from the devil, a liar, and the father of lies, then we need to reject it. So when Satan is bringing certain things about other brothers and sisters in Christ and you you recognize this is slanderous, this is harmful, this is hurtful to the body of Christ, these things are not true, recognize it for what it is. And stand against everything that's not for truth. So it's very, very critical that we recognize the devil is certainly a liar and he, does, he doesn't even know how to tell the truth. He doesn't even know how to tell the truth. He, he can't because he's the father of lies. And then he plants ideas in our minds in John 13 2. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot Simon's son to betray him. How did that get in his heart? satan put it in his heart satan put it in his heart so we're going to have to be aware that if we're not careful we can ha- we can allow satan to put things in our heart that would cause us we would turn against the word of god we need to be so careful planning thoughts in our minds and this one is so common first peter 5 8 very common be sober be vigilant be sober Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Folks, this is so real, and you and I need to be prepared to see it for what it is. Satan is out there like a roaring lion circling and looking for an advantage looking for an opportunity to get someone's ear to plant something in their mind that is not true. And if we're not careful because of our ignorance, if we're not careful because we are not applying what we've already been taught, what we already know, Satan will put things in our mind that will lead us. We'll eventually be led into violating the word of God. And we wouldn't, we would think we would never do that. But we can because we've had planted in our hearts. So Satan has snatched away the word. And he's planted things in our heart. To cause us to want to go against what God has already said. It's just part of the, his uh, lying. and, and all. So let me kind of wrap this up with a couple of thoughts. Let, turn in your Bibles if you would to Philippians four nineteen. Here we are at a church, and may I just be totally transparent with you? Our church needs more income. We we're just, we're there. We the last three Sundays have been dynamite. It's been like out of the park. But I'm just going to tell you, you know, the future the future of our church is. Excuse me. We we need God to continue to supply and send more finances. It's going to be difficult to continue on some of the things that we feel like God wants us to do if we don't have the funds to do it. That makes sense. We really need. We need. We need. So y'all need to make that a matter of prayer and say, you know, it's going to be impossible for us to move forward and do anything any real change until we see God doing some things financially. But here's, this is kind of neat and I love these these passages. Look at uh, Philippians 4.19 But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now if you look at what had been said previously before that verse 19, the church the apostle Paul was saying, verse 17, not because I desire the gift, but I desire the fruit that may abound to your account. They had been giving. And so when people give, they, it's human nature to think, if, if, I give, if, I, if I give, I can give away all my savings and I'm not going to have anything. You know, I believe, this is what I believe about these verses, I believe the apostle Paul was really addressing those who were giving out of abundance, they were actually pu- emptying their bank accounts and he was saying because God is using you to reach others, keep in mind he's going to supply all your need. Am I making, is that, they were giving and they were concerned they were going to run out of money as they were giving and he was saying, my God shall supply all your need. Read those verses not that I desire the gift, but I desire the fruit. In other words, God is a record keeper and he, gives, he keeps account of your giving and you get rewards for your generosity. And so it's our human nature though to think, i got to hold on to something because my, my retirement could be gone. And he's saying, you've emptied your bank accounts But count on this, God's going to supply your needs. That's what I believe about those verses. God's going to supply your needs. So I'm just saying to the church, pray with us that God would continue to reinforce financially and He's done it the last three weeks. You know something else has happened in the last say what, three or four months? Since I've been here I don't ever remember the number with the cepadas and Mateo, and all these outreaches of people. I don't ever remember the number of people receiving, praying to receive Christ on this property any more than the last three or three months or so. I, I, I just, there's, we hadn't had a revival meeting, we hadn't had guest speakers, we haven't had, there have been a lot of people, now whether it's genuine or not, that's between them and the Lord, but there have been a lot of people praying to receive Christ in the last three months or so. And the last three Sundays our offering has been way up. So I'm, I'm very optimistic. I want to encourage you to keep to less, be alert when Satan starts. And keep in mind just like those people that thought I went and asked that visitor for what I do they didn't have all the facts. And we need to be so careful that when we hear the rumors out there in the rumor mill that we need to be careful that we're not jumping on something that you don't have all the facts. And if you have a question, if you have a question, feel free to come to the elders. If you have a question, we'll answer it. Because we're getting very, very close to, uh, in fact, this afternoon, Stephen, did y'all get that? You're going to be able to do that? Okay, we've got a special, and Dwight, this afternoon, might if they get this, might need to cut the song service short. Because we're going to, this is all today is dedicated for us learning how to deal with the tactics of the devil. And the, and I believe you and another person in this church said they heard this. So I've listened to most of it, not all of it, but it's by Keith Daniel. Satan has found a whisperer and they're working on getting that for this afternoon. So we're going to probably, need, it's pretty long, so we need to cut everything shorter we're going to hear that because this is so, so real. And I have personally seen it in the last three or four months. We need to be careful, folks. We need to be alert. We need to stay together and we need to be unified together and be alert. If you have questions, feel free to come. If you want to talk, feel free to come. If you want to communicate something, feel free. But let's, let's don't let the devil take advantage because of our, because of our ignorance. That makes sense. Let's don't let him take advantage. You know, if he's gonna, if he's gonna, if he's gonna win the, the fight, he's gonna have to earn it. And as long as we're holding tight with Christ, he he cannot ta- he cannot have an advantage as long as we are living for Christ. So just a little warm-up of things to come in the near future, we're gonna be looking at some very practical things as we kind of draw our squiggly line and we say, God, where do we go from here? And I'm optimistic and I don't want you to be discouraged because we are, we, I am encouraged at this point. And uh, so anyway, we, we just need to really keep our eyes on the Lord, keep our eyes on the word of God, and let's be careful that we don't fool around and let Satan take advantage if God said, if you have a need, he's going to supply it. I believe that for the church. If we have a need, I believe God's going to supply it. Now then, we talk to the treasurer, we talk to different ones, but I, you need to be aware, my view is you can't treat a church like a business. The church is not a business. You need to be wise and you need to be, good, need to be a good steward But I've seen God over and over. There's been a pruning and then there's been new growth. A pruning and new growth ever since I've been here. There have been attack and new growth. And the funds, I mean, for us to have the money to pay cash for this building, that's pretty substantial. I forgot how much it was. 800,000 or 1,200, 800,000 or so. So be encouraged. Let's, Let's trust the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the encouragement that we need to be alert to the devices, the wicked devices of the devil. We need to be alert and watch him. Be careful not to let him have an advantage because of our ignorance. So I pray that You would accomplish Your will and bring God, honor and glory to Yourself today. And if anyone is lost, today would be a great day for them as they turn their heart over and life over to Christ and be saved. We love you, Father. Thank you for allowing Jesus to die in our place and that we have an opportunity to live for him. And as John's already said today, we want to finish strong. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.